0: ESPN1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN1420 app. I'm Scott Prather, coming to you from the Roofing Louisiana ESPN1420 studios, and joined now by my friend from the Daily Advertiser, UL Sports Beat reporter, Tim Buckley. Good morning, Tim. How are you?
1: Oh, cheery as always, Scott. How are you?
0: I'm good. Although I was reading your article recently about the uh potential bowl games for the casians you know and yeah. and w- when i when i saw christmas day i'll be honest you you kind of you like you, you kind of ruined my day like the thought of that look i just just me personally i know how it works part-timers go out of town everybody's working i just don't want to be sitting in my studio on christmas day i mean i them to play in a bowl game but anything other than december 25th please yeah well try sitting in a Press box
1: at the
0: Crampton
1: Bowl in Montgomery,
0: Alabama on Christmas Day. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, I, if the media cheer oh. in the studio. <laughs> hey man, I, I got, I got, you know, I'll, I, I, I usually I shouldn't pull that card, but man, I got kids, dude. I don't, oh man, Christmas Day that's rough. But yes, I imagine for you as well, Tim. You would prefer perhaps that they play in a bowl game on a different day, but it, it yeah. kind of leads us into our conversation. Like, what is a lot of people are curious, what is the bowl situation this year? Because everything's different in 2020.
1: Yeah, it's a mess is what it is. Um, and look, none of this is in stone, but they did come out last Friday with with a list of all the dates for the bowls. And um, quite frankly, I don't know what's worse, playing on Christmas Day or playing the day after Christmas. And then you're having to spend time in whatever town that happens to be. Uh, mobile or orlando on christmas day not even covering a game just waiting for the game the next day but um the you know the situation is this look if if they go meaning they the cajuns if they go to the championship game as it stands right now the possibility of playing in the new orleans bowl is somewhere in between slim and none because that game is on the 23rd, championships game on the 19th. You're talking about a four-day turnaround for college kids. And, you know, look, the the, the recovery, especially at that point in the season after, you know, presuming you get all your games in, you know, despite the COVID stuff, um, to, to ask the, the bodies to do that, and I know NFL does it on five days, but to ask bodies to do that, college kids, end of the season, four-day turnaround, that's a tough ask, and, and Brian Maggard uh, acknowledged I- as much, and, and said that the situation was talked about with the with the conference. So, you know, unless something were to unexpectedly change, whether it be dates of bowls or, um, or you know, the the prevailing opinion on it, that one's kind of unlikely, and therefore anything from the twenty third, you know, working backward, which is a whole bunch of the the. Sunbelt affiliated bowls is is unlikely so um you know it's it, and, and look who knows whether any of the bowl games will be played at, at that point you know by the time we roll roll around to December you know everybody will have had their Thanksgiving uh gatherings and who knows how many positives there'll be uh in yeah, the various yeah. communities, within the various programs, um, just like everything else in 2020. What a mess.
0: Yeah, trying to bank on anything uh, would be silly. So, at this point... It's, and also,
1: it's- I'll say this, frankly, Scott, and look, this is not meant to be disrespectful to, um, you know, group of five conferences or the bowls that they play in or anything like that, Um and I know that this is a very unique situation, and this is not normally, you know, a situation that they get themselves into. But, you know, to me, for people who hold Christmas as a sacred holiday, unless it's a really, really big deal, you shouldn't be playing on Christmas. You know, coach. And look, you're you're t- you're talking to somebody who, you know, grew up accustomed to bowl games around the holidays. You know, it wasn't New Year's Eve unless. You were in, you know, Aunt Angie's house on the west side of Buffalo watching the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl on the black and white television with tinfoil around the uh, the pop-up antennas. Um, so, you know, I know what holiday traditions and bowl games are all about, but still, something about playing on Christmas. And, and maybe I'm the only one, and if that's the case, so be it. It won't be the first time,
0: but that just that just rubs me wrong. Tim Buckley, our guest, ESPN 1420. Well, you know, Coach show, uh, the late great Coach Robert's Show, I mean, as you know, Tim, he fought for years to try to alter the Sunbelt Conference baseball yep. schedule to where there would be no conference games on Easter Sunday. And yep. he fought and fought, and he finally got enough coaches and ADs from other schools on his side, and it happened. And then you saw it happen in softball, and you saw it – you know, it, it was something that meant a lot to him, but it was something that, I, I mean, look, I, I, at least around here, there wasn't any kind of backlash. There wasn't any kind of, what is he doing? You know, I mean, everyone sort of understood where he's coming from, and, um, you know, I, I in terms of Christmas, I'm, yeah, I, I I would rather there not be a game on Christmas Day, but it's just such a a unique year where the, the championship game is so late in the year. Tim Buckley is our guest. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN1420.com. Tim Buckley, the... UL Sports Beat reporter for the Daily Advertiser. Speaking of that conference championship game, Tim, on uh, what December the nineteenth. Right now, I mean, there's football left to be played, but I, I feel like the Cajuns are—it's theirs to lose without question because you're two games up on Arkansas State. You have a chance to get up three and a half on them if you beat them, because then you'd be up three games plus a tiebreaker, and then South Alabama. Well, they're only a half game back in conference play, but I, you know, they're a team that lost to UAB by 32 points. So, uh, and I do not expect them to win this, um, you know, this Saturday night when they play at Coastal Carolina, who's undefeated and ranked 15th in the country. So, I, I'm, I guess, what I'm saying, Tim, is I am fully expecting the Cajuns to be playing in that conference championship game.
1: Well, completely reasonable expectation, especially considering the Cajuns also have South Alabama head to head. Yeah. Um, and considering that, you know, to this point, and even including Saturday against Texas state, I think Billy Napier in his heart of hearts, and he's said as much knows that they haven't even come close to playing their best football, or at least the football that they're, they're capable of to this point. Um, so look, unless you continue to regress and he said, you know, they took a couple steps backward, they took a couple steps forward, but Some areas it took a couple steps backward against Texas state penalties being one of them, uh, the turnovers, especially the fumbles, uh, uh, on the two pass plays being, being another one of them. But you would think that at this point in the season, now it's where you really start to, you know, get into a little bit of groove, especially since you're at home for three in a row and you're back on a normal schedule of, of Saturday games and not all these goofy middle of the week games. And, um, you know, not knowing exactly when you're gonna play or not gonna play. And um, you know, you think this is the time to get in a role. Like you said, you get Arkansas State on Saturday, head to head, you put some distance between uh you and them. You have South Alabama head to head, you put some distance in between you and them. Troy did the Cajuns a favor by knocking off Arkansas State, which is you know, struggled to put up points in its last two, frankly, um, after putting up some huge points, you know, prior to that. Um Yes, you're in the driver's seat to go to, and then the big question is, is it Coastal Carolina or is it Appalachian State? Is it Boone, North Carolina, or is it Conway, South Carolina?
0: Yeah, that's 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 what it's – at this point, any other story would be a surprise, um, a big surprise in my mind. Uh, but having said that, you know, the Cajuns – Need to take care of their business, and as you said, and I think anybody that covers this team and follows this team closely would agree, they haven't really, uh, scratched the surface is probably too strong of a phrase, but they certainly have not played their best football yet this year. Uh, we'll see what they do Saturday against Arkansas State, kickoff at 11 o'clock at Cajun Field. Uh, Tim, we had a chance to uh, to talk to Khalif Gossett this week, the senior wide receiver. I remember seeing him in practice as a freshman when he was redshirting, just Tall, thin, um, you know, back when Hud was the coach, wearing the rec specs, um, you know, making plays on the two-minute offense. I'm like, who's who's this kid? And then I read a little bit, and, you know, he redshirted that year, and then he played the next, but then he got hurt. And he's just – he's never really been able to stick because of the various injuries and things he's gone through um, to see him make a big play and score his first career touchdown last week on a big 46-yard catch in the end zone, um, which he told us, I think, yesterday. He said, you know, on the inside, I was really, really excited. Two-part question, Tim. Just um, what do you make of a player that kind of, like Khalif, that that sticks to it through all the injuries? And then the follow-up, which you could segue into, is just what kind of impact does he potentially have on an offense that is working in a lot of new pieces at wide receiver?
1: Well, you, you got to love the stick-to-itiveness, um, because somebody in his situation, it'd be, it'd be easy to, you know, frankly, to throw in the towel. Cause he has had, you know, so many frustrations along the way. He didn't play a lot early, um, red shirted, like you said, spent some time on the scout team, had a shoulder injury he Had one game where he played like three seasons. Um, you know, he's, he's on his, on his fifth year right now. And, um. And then has just an absolutely devastating injury. Look, Achilles tendon. And I know you always like to ask me the basketball question, Scott, at the end of this thing. But we're gonna we're gonna segue right into basketball Let's right now. It. I remember uh, Memet O'Kore sustaining an Achilles tendon injury, and from where I was, pretty close to mid court, to where he was underneath the basket, like I could literally hear that thing pop. Ugh. And he went down like he was shot. It was just ugly. Um, So I can't imagine what this poor kid went through. And he told the story about how, you know, right after the COVID lockdown happened, he went home to Pensacola, Florida. He's playing on his, or I should say working out on his, uh, on his old high school field that's full of potholes and, and, and he blows an Achilles tendon and has to get in the car and turn around and drive back here to get looked at by the docs. And, Uh, undergo the surgery and, and get, uh, you know, have to go through the whole rehab process, you know, in the middle of all the the COVID lockdown and quarantine um, would have been so easy for that kid to just say, forget about it. But his first thing was I'm going to play in the 2020 season. (laughs) Um, And that's normally, you know, I remember back in the day, they used to say nine to 12 months and, you know, then all of a sudden the surgeries got better and, you know, the rehab uh, process and everything kind of accelerated, uh, and, and they got onto like a six to nine month schedule. But you know, he did this thing in late March or whenever it was, and and here he is, you know, on Halloween night, you know, making uh, pulling down a touchdown catch in, in the end zone in San Marcos. Um, so yeah, kudos on the stick to itiveness. Um, how can he help the offense? Well, first of all, he gives you. Look, he doesn't even have to jump high. And and look, you, you can't blame him if you can after after Darren and Achilles. But um you don't even have to jump high. It's six six. You just put your arms up and um he had he had a little cornerback on him the other night. Uh uh it, it, it almost looked like a comic strip type type situation. Um uh so you know the Cajuns don't have that real lengthy throw it up and go get it. You know type guy that Levi Lewis can just you know toss one up to in the corner of the end zone or um you know chunk one forty some yards down there and you know make it a fifty fifty ball and he towers over the uh the defensive back and goes and gets it reminds me of and and heaven forgive me if I'm messing up the name, but what, a few years ago was it Jalen Johnson?
0: What was oh, that kid's name? Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, he was like six foot seven. Yeah, um,
1: exact same thing. Dealt dealt with the injuries, had you know all sorts of problems and. There's a couple of games. I think I remember one was a New Mexico State game where he just lobbed it to him in the end zone. He just sticks his hands up, goes up and gets it. Boom! Touchdown.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he was um, he was a tall kid. He was from Northern Louisiana. I talked to him a lot. He was a really nice young man. I think it was it oh, was he was Jared, fantastic. Jared I Johnson
1: into the mall one time. That's what it was. J-
0: uh, it wasn't Jalen. It was it was Jared Johnson. Was his name, wasn't it? Jared Johnson. Yeah.
1: Forgive me, Jared Johnson. But yeah reminds me out of the same boat so that's what he can bring to this offense and the other part about it too is um Levi Lewis loves him I mean he was just going on and on and on about you know having him back and I think part of it is because you know things got all messed up with the COVID and then you lose Jamal Bell and you lose Cassius Allen you lose Brian Smith and all of a sudden Levi's working with a bunch of really talented freshmen and you know, Earl Rogers and Kyron Lacey and Dante Fleming kids that he just hasn't developed a relationship with and, you know, didn't have the normal summertime experience that you, you, you might've had with, uh, you know, with those guys to really get to know them and receivers and the time and, you know, preseason camp to, you know, slowly build relationships. They all got thrown into the fire. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote about that situation too, you know, and, all of a sudden those guys are starting to figure it out and Levi's starting to build something with them. But with Khalees Gossett, Levi has somebody that he's known for years now. You know, when Levi was, you know, the backup quarterback or when Levi was, you know, the, uh, uh, in his freshman season, the scout team guy, that was, you know, the kind of guy that, that Levi started to build relationships back then and, you know, had the off season time to spend with Khalees spoke about it. Levi spoke about it. So, you know, it, it gives them some familiar hands to throw to, uh, which I think will help as well.
0: Tim Buckley, our guest, UL Sports Beat reporter for the Daily Advertiser. You can follow him on Twitter at TDA Raging Cajuns. He's got the blue check mark and uh, tons of content sure. covering the Rage and Cajun football yeah. team. Yeah, Tim, I, you know, you, you don't flaunt the, uh, the verified check, but I know deep down it makes you feel special. Yeah, I'm going to
1: go add that on my resume right now. <laughs> uh, Tim Buckley has blue check marks.
0: <laughs> circling back, you know, you mentioned, because uh, I always ask you about your days covering the Jazz, um, Mehmet Core, you know, to 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 speak about an Achilles injury when it happens and Khalif being able to perform right now and, and make a difference and make an impact, I mean, Okor was never the same. I mean, that happened, I think, in game one of, of, of the Western Conference playoffs. And, he came back maybe the next year, eight, nine months later, played a couple of games, got shut down again, um, you know, just – and then eventually got traded. I think he was in maybe Jersey for a little bit. But never you – know, this is a guy that was an all-star uh, in his, I don't know, late 20s, and then just a few years later, you know, the injury happens and he's just – he's never the same player again and he's eventually out of the league. So – granted different sport he's a big guy it was um you know a a decade or so ago i mean things are a little different now with medicine khalif's younger he's he's tall but he's not as big doesn't weigh as much and he's not seven feet tall but all that being said to come like there are a lot of college and pro athletes they never come back from that in terms of playing once again so to see him out there i mean i'm with you it's kind of like when you know that a player has battled through a number of injuries and you just see him out there able to make a play in a big moment, you can't help but be happy for him, regardless of if it's your team or another team. You just, I, that, that's the human element of sports that I just say, you know what, man, when that, when that was Kalief Gossett that made that catch, I smiled because I was just happy for him knowing, you know, how much he had gone through.
1: Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, And especially knowing that it is Achilles because that is one of the toughest, not only to sustain just in terms of, you know, the pain and knowing what it is, but in terms of the, the rehab as well. Um, It, uh, yeah, you're right. It, 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 it was the beginning of the end for a metal core, a guy who, and you know what, let's, let's get our NBA talk in now here. You want my my core story. (laughs) First time I ever met him. Was in the in the NBA Finals when the Lakers were playing the Pistons, whatever that year was, and uh,
0: two thousand and four. Car- yeah, good. You're
1: good with all the years. Man. I'm terrible with all that. Stuff. Well, I, 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 let and, me yeah. let
0: me just quickly say everything pre twenty fifteen in sports. I'm great at. You asked me like <laughs> a month or a year in the last five years. Once I started having kids, there, forget about it. No, anything pre anything pre kid number one. I'm really good at though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My, my brain's pretty much shut off the last five years too. But anyway, um, so, uh, he's playing for the Pistons. It's his last season with the Pistons He's in the finals. And I was covering it because, uh, Carl Malone, you know, had gone to to the Lakers chasing the ring. And, uh, and I got a tip, uh, that, uh, that the core was going to sign this big deal with the, uh, with the jazz in the off season. Um, (laughs) but, uh, um, but nobody wanted to talk about it because a, they weren't even supposed to be negotiating it. And, and B, he was still in the finals. Yeah. Um, still with the Pistons. And so, so I approach him and you know, he's, you know, he wasn't a big part of, of that team, but you know, he, he was a part of it. And, He's kind of like, well, what is this guy who I've never seen his face before? I don't have no idea who he is. Why is he like approaching me to talk to me? You know, before an NBA Finals game, and uh, and and he pulls one of those. Uh, I don't speak English very good. Mm. You know, the, the Russians used to do that when I covered back when I covered hockey. Um, I remember uh, the, the the Tampa Bay Lightning when I covered the Lightning. They picked up some guy from New Jersey. Uh, one of these Russian cats, and uh, cats, oh, my God, I'm talking like uh, one of year old compadres, don't, don't uh, you know, it. who uh, – I'll mention the name. I know he's not on your airways anymore, Kevin foot. But anyway, I digress. And cat, another one of them, our old friend Stevie Pelican, oh, I'll mention right. his name too. But anyway, they they pick up one of these Russian guys, you know, and, and me and the other hockey beat writer go to approach him. To, literally the first day that he's in the locker room about getting traded to the Lightning – and he pulls the I don't speak English routine and uh we just kinda walk away like okay and then he turns around and he's like, Hey, you guys know a great lunch place in Tampa? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh I mean okay how do you English. Yeah, exactly. But uh uh so Cor pulls the same thing. And then all of a sudden he finds out that I'm from Utah and his life, his face lights up and he's like yeah, I can talk to you. He goes, but, but, but you can't use any of it now because I'm still with the Pistons. He Man. goes, but yeah, I'm probably going to sign with Utah.
0: <laughs> it's like, I mean, people that don't think tampering goes on or or don't think it happens everywhere, uh, they're fooling themselves. I mean, literally, he's sitting there. He's like, yeah, yeah. I can't. I mean, you can't put it on the record. But let's talk while he's still playing in the finals. Unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, anyway, good times. Did he ever? Did 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 he? When you were there, and he signed the next year, did it ever get brought up? Like, oh yeah, I remember seeing you. Oh, uh, we Nella. used to laugh about it all the time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, great guy. ESPN. So some, some of the
1: Eastern Europeans that I covered, uh, both in hockey and in uh, and in the NBA. Once you got to know them, absolutely fantastic guys. I um, met of course Literally walking down Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, stop at a corner waiting for the light to change. And all of a sudden, I feel one of those, you know, finger on the opposite shoulder things. And it's Memento Core. You know, I turned the head the wrong way, of course. And uh, he's walking with his fiance, the former Miss Turkey. And he was just happy to see somebody on a corner in New York, you know, that a face that he recognized. And, uh, and, you know, we, we just talked for a minute. They were in town to play the Knicks and, you know, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm just walking around my man." I'm like, what are you guys doing? He's like, we're going to lunch. He's like, you want to come to lunch?
0: (laughs) Good dude, man. Good dude. And
1: they were all like that. Andre Karolinko, the exact same way. One time I'm standing at, at the Tampa airport with my luggage waiting for the, the van to, go to where my, uh, car was parked. And, uh, this guy pulls up in a sports car convertible and it's Andre team need a lift. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, uh, they were, they were just awesome. Uh, what the heck was his name? Uh, one of the guys who played for the lightning, uh, Selivanov, um, actually, uh, married Phil Esposito's daughter. Phil Esposito's late daughter Carrie, who was just an absolutely wonderful person. Um and uh, uh and Selivanov played for the Lightning. And so his father in law is Phil Esposito, who of course, you know, played for for you know the Canadian team that that went and played the Russians in like one of the most, you know, contentious series in all of hockey history. And uh, and all of a sudden, Phil Esposito has this Russian kid for uh, for a son-in-law, and he was he was one of the nicest nicest guys I ever met in all of sports. Couldn't have been nicer,
0: Tim Buckley. Um, uh, you know, I literally
1: I literally remember the night his parents came to America for the first time, uh, being in uh, in the concourse at Madison Square Garden and it was um, one of the first times I had ever had a chance before the game to go walk in the concourse at, at the garden. Uh, and um, I just wanted to, like, just get a feel for it because, you know, I, we were there particularly early, and, you know, I had a, a little bit of time. And uh, and all of a sudden I run into Carrie Esposito, who is standing in a, in a bar in the concourse with – with Silvanov's parents who had literally just like flown in from Russia and gone straight from the the uh the uh airport to Madison Square Garden to see their kid uh uh playing an NHL game and Carrie drags me in there and has me like asking me to do shots with them to help welcome them to America. I'm like Carrie <laughs> I've got to cover a game tonight. Uh, so, shots And they're like no you gotta do shots of vodka with me. It's what they do. And I'm like, well, all right, I'll help you out with one or two, but everybody's got a limit, especially when you got to cover a hockey game that night, Cherry. That you know, and uh, then uh, Stalivannov, like awesome. the, the next day, is like profusely thanking me for helping welcome his parents to America.
0: <laughs> and then, and then from that point on, man, you, you know, Tim Buckley asks him a question, get a good quote, he's going to trust you because he remembers, man, we did shots together when my parents got here. <laughs>
1: Uh, those were the days, and they are
0: no more. <laughs> UL, UL Sports Speed reporter for the Daily Advertiser, Tim Buckley, has been our guest. And, you know, when you referenced earlier bowl games as a child at your grandmother's house in Buffalo with. Oh, at Aunt, Aunt Angie's
1: house. I'm Aunt sorry. Angie's I'm sorry. On Aunt the west
0: Aunt, side. At Aunt Angie's house on the west side of Buffalo <laughs> with um, aluminum foil on the bunny ear antenna. Whenever you go from that to many, many years covering sports, uh, for various, you know, media outlets and newspapers, you've got a wealth of stories. I've heard some as well. Um, off of the air, he shared some on it, but, uh, but there's plenty of more where that came from. I can tell you that much. I just, Tim, at some point when, when you leave Cajun country and you're somewhere else, I just, I don't know that the stories are going to be as exciting when you talk about the time you spent with some of us down here, I think people will just be confused. They'll be like, wait, so the these th- these guys, they just they called, they just said cat all the time and they made up words, but it was <laughs> but it was acceptable. Like I think it could be interesting, but I just feel like their whole like aura of the story will feel a little different.
1: Yeah, I kind of fear uh, moving and going anywhere different because <laughs> then I would have to explain the whole Shaw's thing to somebody. Uh, you, you know, because... Of is, that's just not going to
0: Yeah, not you don't fly. have to. You don't have to do that because that's just more singular than, than entirely cultural. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, uh, those of us that work in the Lafayette sports media uh, and have for, let's say, five or more years together, you kind of get a feel for each person's quirks and personality. And uh, you've been here long enough to know, uh uh-oh, that guy again. Uh, And maybe you say that sometimes when I walk in the room, but that's all good. Uh, Tim Buckley has been our guest. Give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already, at TDA Raging Cajuns. Tons of great stuff at theadvertiser.com and the Daily Advertiser. Um, Cajun basketball getting started not too long from now, too. So we got plenty in store for you and uh, all the great content. He's got it for you. Tim, man, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the stories, and uh, let's chat again soon, man.
1: All right, Scott. Hopefully uh, Merry Christmas from somewhere other than Montgomery.
0: Sounds good to me. (laughs) I'm I'm from from my living room in Lafayette. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, Stay tuned. The Great Scott Show continues. We'll open up up, uh, phone lines after this, 269-1077. Take a look at Arkansas State a little bit. The uh, Saints-Bucks game, Antonio Brown is supposed to play and uh, and the Quan Alexander trade, look at a little bit of film. What does that mean for the team? We'll dig into all of that. Don't go anywhere. It continues right after this on ESPN 1420 and .com.